what's shaking, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Orange Bloods Modcast. We're a little bit late today. Just ignore us. Actually, don't ignore us. Watch us for the next hour or so. I'm Jeff Ketchum, joined by Jason Sukumel, Anwar Richardson, and of course, Alex Dunlap, Mr. On Time himself. <laughs> Greetings, everybody. Blame Sorry, Alex. Blame just... the internet. Would you, you know what? Honestly, you being a little around. What's that? Would you rather have me come on here and freeze up like you guys always do, man? I got to have my internet firing nice and quick. But now your microphone sounds I was going to say, well, we would prefer if you did a mic check and then okay. we would actually be able to hear you. <laughs> Everything's screwed up, man. We're just confused. So it's all screwed up. Let me see. Well, oh, we man. get Alex figured out. I do want to mention this. Uh... Is that better? Yes. I told you, man, everything's messed up. But now my look at the <laughs> now camera now. Wow. Okay. Those this video brought to guys over at Mojo Insurance who are definitely getting their money's worth at the start of this video. Look, the bottom line is, Jason said it last week. I might even let him say it again. This saves you money. There's no downshot on this. Let them use all of their various partnerships and A-plus credit people and all of those things. Like they got a special Orange Bloods page that if you go to, you fill it out. They got a couple of guys just situated and ready to take care of you and lessen the amount of money that you're paying on your insurance every day, every week, every month, every year. It's that simple. Check them out, Mojo Insurance. Uh, Jason, real quick, validate it for me. Yeah, I said it last week, dude. I used Mojo before Mojo was part of Orange Bloods. You don't do really anything, man. You send them your information. They shop it around for you. It's a no-lose proposition. I'm not going to guarantee they're going to save you money, but uh, if they don't, but you're why wouldn't you try? Yeah, they're going to try, and you're not. There's a good chance they're going to save you money. Uh, they're going to shop at I think like 100 plus insurance companies, and it doesn't cost you any money, any time, anything, dude. So let them do it. Let them save you some money. It's silly not to give them a chance. Personal ve uh, verification, right there, uh, fellas. We're a week away. It's funny, I looked at Alex's column earlier today. It's titled, you know, it's related to the, the big questions. We're all yesterday, Anwar, you and I on the Monday overreaction show, kind of having the same conversation. It's it's burning questions time. It's it's time to really start thinking about football. I'm just curious. And Alex, I'll come to you first on this. A week away from the start of, of the 2023 Texas Longhorns football season, your Brain space is where. Well, first, let me just make sure. Is the is am I good with this mic? You're good. All right, I I got a new computer, so it's like I had to, re to reset everything before the show. Um, uh, I mean, I got a million things, man. I just I don't think it's funny. It's like the number one thing that people are going to care most about is how Quinn Ewers looks out there, and I'm like, I don't I don't care. I I know how Quinn's going to look. You know what I mean? It's it's. I'm not sure we're gonna. I'm not sure we're going to have that many answers to that question until, you know, maybe we get to hear about a scrimmage or maybe we get to see a little bit of some kind of scrimmage or at least some live team drill stuff. Quinn's always going to look real good throwing against air. And I think he's the biggest question mark coming into this year. Clearly um, there's a lot of little ancillary things. And I wrote about some of the main ones today, but um, you know, you know, I mean, it's, I could talk I mean I could do a solo show where I talk for 2 hours about the things I think <laughs> the things I think about this team. It doesn't feel like there's any one thing that stands out to me, you know, is the clear most important thing. 
except for the quarterback. And I'm not sure how much we're going to get answered as far as the quarterback, but there are a million other things I'm sure we'll touch on throughout the course of the show. If you could only watch one thing on day one, one position, and it not be the quarterbacks because you almost have to just have a non I'm not going to watch the quarterbacks for two reasons. One, I don't think we'll learn anything. For two, I know that Onwar is going to play the hits and watch the quarterbacks. Why would I waste my time doing that? Well, I'm giving, so, you, I'm giving um, you the rest of the field. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's the offensive line. It, you know, do they, do they put in – I don't think they come into this camp putting in Hayden Connor at center and just putting Jake Majors with the second group. Right off the bat, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It feels like maybe that could be something that could slowly happen throughout the course of camp. Maybe as they start filtering out the media and getting into game week stuff, we start hearing about him working in a little bit at center. Um, but And that would open things up, right, at the two other guard spots. We, then we won't have to have as tough a conversation about three guys vying for that one guard spot. And, you know, Cole Hudson, DJ Campbell, and to some degree, we still got to talk about Cam Williams. You know, he looked really, really good playing right guard in the spring game and towards the end of spring football. You know, I, I think probably the line with him is that he's going to go back to his natural position at right tackle and just spend one more year behind Christian Jones before he gets to really pop onto the scene there. But I just, like I wrote in my column, it's a little bit hard to put that genie back in the bottle based on what we've seen. It's still a tough conversation to have, even if Jake Majors is out of the picture at center or at least he's with the second group at center because you still have three dudes, you know, Cole Hudson is, do you, does coach flood really want to Wally pip him? He wasn't good last year, but there was obviously something that coach flood saw in him to where it took till the third game before the season was about to be over three games left in the season before he even started messing with that. And it wasn't like he made DJ Campbell the starter, you know, just out of on based on pure merit alone. Now he was mixing in DJ Campbell over at the right guard a little bit, before Cole Hudson got hurt. But the reason DJ Campbell started was because Hudson got hurt, right? It, it would have continued to have been him getting mixed in. So you have you have Hudson, who obviously he likes. You have DJ Campbell, who's the better prospect, who's the, who played better while he was out there. You have Cam Williams, who looked like a million bucks doing it. Like So when you have the first day at camp, and here's the thing, you got to keep guys like DJ Campbell and Cam Williams happy. You know, these are the kinds of guys you got to keep happy. You can't have them feel like, they're, they've been recruited over. They don't have any – you know, it's, a, it's, it's a dance with these really, really high-level prospects. And so I want to know how the offensive line looks. I want to know who's working in. I want to know if Hayden Connor, if they, like at the very beginning of practice, it's going to be real telling. If maybe not during team drills and maybe not when they're lined up and they're running around doing their position drill stuff, but maybe on the side in position drills, right, he's lining up and – in the spot where the center usually lines up something that maybe somebody might not notice. If it's not, you know, five guys there in the row and he's the one standing in the middle. Right. But if he's the guy that's standing in the spot that's next to the, you know, he's, he's got his, he's, he's got his right shoulder next to the left shoulder of the right guard. You know, you know, that he's, you, 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 you know, that he's working at center there. Right. And so those kinds of things we can look at and, you know, hopefully glean from practices along the offensive line. That'll, that'll be the first thing that I'm most interested in. Jason, what about you? If if I just ask the question, where's your head at seven days out from the unofficial start of the season, your answer is what? Um, not mentally prepared. It's I mean, I, you know, I'm so recruiting focused during the summer, uh, including this week, uh, pretty active recruiting week. That I mean, it's just when you say seven days, I'm like, damn, that's you know going to be here in the blink of an eye, but. Um, you know, we'll be out at the open portions of practices. 
Offensive line is interesting to me. Uh, the defense as a whole, linebackers. I'm really like weirdly like we're coming into this. This is different for us, right, Catch? We don't have a quarterback controversy to cover or quarterback questions to cover, not with the starting quarterback for the first time in a long time. But I'm really interested in the backup quarterback reps. Um, you know, is Malik Murphy the clear number two? Is is Arch going to take over that spot? Uh, if and if he is, when will it happen? Will it be quickly? Is it going to be during the season? I mean it's going to be pretty obvious going into the season. I mean, they're going to be games early on. You would assume against someone like rice where Quinn's going to come out, you know, if Texas has a substantial lead, who's going to be the guy that comes in is, is there going to be a clear separation in that backup quarterback race? I think that's going to be fascinating. I know it's a backup quarterback race. We're talking Arch Manning. Uh, Malik Murphy is a guy that a lot of people really like, especially after his spring game performance. I think that quarter backup quarterback position is going to be a really interesting battle to follow uh, over the course of the fall camp. Speaking of the backup quarterback, Arch Manning's uh, one of one on Panini is up to $30,000. So if anybody wants, uh, I think all of the money is going to St. David's, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, if you got to lose 50 grand in your pocket and you want to get Arch Manning's one of one, his first one of one, his first autograph football card on more. It's got to be a hell of a thing to be Malik Murphy. You just minding your own business. And you're then your primary competition is like headline number two on ESPN.com <laughs> because he signed an NIL deal. It It is a reminder of what it means to have Arch Manning on your roster as one of your football players. It's, it's not the average ordinary quarterback situation that Steve Sarkeesian will be managing this year and, and into the future. <laughs> Malik, it just, that shadow is so big. It it's is like, so give crazy. me a break. It, it, it is so crazy. It, it, it's funny because I was, I was, I was uh, at SEC Media Days last week and a couple of times, you know, we talked about quit and then, they just so so tell us about Arch this season. I'm like, well, there's this guy named Malik Murphy. I know you may have not heard of him, but he's kind of technically ahead of Arch, so they're going to be battling back and forth. So this kind of is what it is, man. Like it, he puts out something and and it, it starts trending. It's probably the first time he's done anything kind of from a public spotlight, probably since he's been at UT. Doesn't kind of been like low key, and then he puts out the Steam Panini thing and doesn't Malik Malik's backflips and you know qb photo like all that's in like the dust because you know arch is talking dude he's uh he's signing an autograph one-on-one and raising money for a good cause though um i wonder what a malik one-of-one would be going for right now it is such an interesting dynamic that exists in that locker room even if arch doesn't ask for it there's just a celebrity that exists there that um I was watching this thing like go up by the tens of thousands of dollars by the second a moment ago. It seems to have settled at thirty thousand dollars. For those that don't know, uh, go check it out. It's all over the place. But Arch Manning it's up to thirty k. Yeah, Man, I saw that thing just like a little while ago. It was at eleven k. I thought that was high. Crazy. Somebody whipped the wallet out, Alex. Did <laughs> <laughs> something? Whip something out? Because in a in a span of two bids, it went from eleven and change. To 30. So it was like somebody decided to just put an end to the pussyfooting around with these nickel and dime $11,000 offers. 
Now, um, since, now, since that all goes to the St. David's Foundation, can you write that off if you're the guy who's buying it? Or since probably. it's going to Panini, you can't do that. I mean, you're you're purchasing a card. So you can't write it off. I don't think your you accountant can. can figure a way to write it off. Hey, if you got that kind of money, your accountant's finding a way to write it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good point, Jason. You took the words right out of my mouth. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody, there's an accountant saying, whoa, hold on, guys. There, where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, we had a super chat question, completely unrelated to anything that we're talking about. But it's kind of an interesting question, considering we're having a little bit of a quarterback discussion. If Sam had come back for that fit for, for, I guess it would have been a COVID season, right? His senior year was the COVID season. So if Sam comes back for 2021, how would have Sark's first two years have changed? Anyone want to take a stab at that? First year would have been better. They go to a bowl game, right? They win seven or eight games. I think so. Yeah. I mean, does does Sark embrace the uh, the scrambling thing from from Ellinger and him, you know, trying to get out the pocket and do certain things? You know, he seems to, for the most part, like pocket guys. I think obviously he's what was the twenty twenty five guy, a dual threat guy, is is a dual threat quarterback. If I'm correct, so be, yeah, it would it would have been it. It's an interesting question. I, I, I mean, they probably are bowl eligible. I don't know if they're much more than that. I mean, Casey Thompson put up better passing statistical numbers than Sam did, like in terms of, if I'm not mistaken, his and he was among the nation's leading passers. It just, as the, once the hand injury happened, it felt like his numbers decreased week by week. At one point, it was like in the 200s and the 190s and the 180s. Then it held in the 160s, and then it eventually dropped. But for much of the season, I don't know. I don't. It, it's it's a hard question to answer. Um, they they're bowl eligible though in year one at a minimum. Anybody disagree with that? No, that's only one more win. So yeah, I would think they'd. Austin, I don't know what your question is. I'll be on the lookout for it, but. He resubmitted, Thank, yeah. Thanks for the 10 bucks. I'll, no, he, re, uh, he, just, he just resubmitted. Oh, he doubled. God, he resubmitted and paid twice. Austin, we would have hooked you up. Um, you can you get a second question, Austin, so think about it. Uh, Texas will go 10 and 2 if Quinn throws four. C4 is the starter by week blank. And the defense has blank turnovers. Okay, well, let's just attack this one at a time. I'm not even quite sure how I'm going to answer a couple of these. Texas will go 10-2 and two if Quinn throws four. Um, I'll go first. I think health. If So in, the, in Texas will go 10-2 and two if Quinn throws in 12 games. <laughs> um, if he throws a 165 quarterback rating, Texas goes 10-2. and two. I was thinking yardage totals, but uh, I don't think a yardage total matters. Mm. I'm, I'm right to catch. I don't yeah, know. Like, it probably I, matters more. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's not a. The question's not. I mean, thank you for the any ten dollar question is great. A great question, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's not really a good question. It's. I mean, he could throw well, for maybe, he could he could throw for a million yards and throw you know have a have a two to one 
interception to touchdown ratio and it doesn't matter. What 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 have we said? What have you said? Thirty touchdowns. What if we just went touch? If I said he, if he th- if he had thirty or thirty-one touchdowns, I still don't Texas fully goes, know. Texas oh, that's a, better, that's a better. That's that's better than a. It's better than a you know saying like thirty-eight hundred yards or something. I mean, I would prefer th- th- thirty touchdowns to that. Hmm. So what, I mean, I just I don't know what the I don't know if that automatically gets them to ten and two. It doesn't hurt. But I probably would rather know the touchdown to interception ratio more so than the total number of touchdowns. You know, my if you tell me that he is in double digit interceptions, then you know, and that means there could be a couple of games in there just by themselves where, you know, he had some Oklahoma State level. I, mean, I don't know. Like it's a hard one. I'd, I'd rather know the quarterback rating because it just gives me an idea of consistency over twelve games, like what it is. Doesn't mean that there won't be some lows mixed in or some highs, but I know what won't work, and it's probably anything less than than one sixty five if he's playing, you know, one sixty ish minimum. Um, by C four, that's C J Baxter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that C J Baxter has to be the starter for Texas to go ten and two. Could be. I think it's a separate question. Oh, you think that that I thought all of this was. Oh, you think it's all one related? Yes, I thought all of this is these things have to happen in order for Texas to go 10 and 2. Oh, geez. Okay. Just by comma placement. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know CJ CJ Baxter's. He needs to be – if that's the question, I don't know if he needs to be a starter by like week four or, or, or the OU game in order for that to occur, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't agree, agree with that. I, okay, we're, we're, we'll, keep, we'll continue to roll with it. I'm going to go – I'll just say I think C.J. Baxter becomes a starter in week seven. There. So we answered it both ways. As far as the defense and turnovers – See, this is where I definitely thought it was a 10 and 2 question because the defense has to have how many turnovers? I'll say 30. It's they better than 10. two per game. What they have last year, I'm looking, they only had 14 last year, if I'm looking at. Yeah, correctly. that was their big area. They didn't make big plays. Four fumble recoveries, 10 interceptions. Um, I'm going to just answer them. I don't think CJ Baxter, as good as he is, him starting by any week is going to be the difference in Texas going 10 and two. To me, it's the first part and the last part Quinn playing well and the defense having 20 plus turnovers. I don't think they need to have 30. Um, honestly, 10 and two, I don't know. Like this is a little extreme, but this team should be able to sleepwalk to 10 and two. I mean, you got Alabama and Oklahoma. There's not in Texas should win it. One of those two games, if not both, there's not another game where they're not going to be, I don't think substantial favorites. So, I don't think any of these things have to be exceptional for Texas to go 10 and two. I think if Quinn's slightly above average, uh, the run game is slightly above average and the defense is slightly above average that gets Texas to 10 and two. I mean, K-State had 24 uh, led the league in in last year with 24 turnovers and TCU had 22. Uh, Kansas had 22 as well. No, Oh, you're at 21. So maybe 25 and 25 would be a number that would make you feel like, they're among the leaders in the conference, certainly. 
Now I'm just I doing the math. conference last year, and Almar's. I'm assuming Almar. That's probably talking what 14 games for some of those teams. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Four, 14 games for uh, K State. Uh, 15 games for TCU. 13 for Kansas. 13 for OU. Yes. You're yeah, correct. And what was the high number? You said 24. 24. K State in 14 games had 24. So 25. So nobody's even averaging two a game. That's kind of surprising. Was there not a great defense in the Big 12 last year? I mean, Texas had 14 last year. So, I mean, getting up to 25 is a pretty significant jump. Well, it's like one more a game, one more turnover a game. That's a lot. Is yeah. it? Yeah, for 12 games to average one more turnover a game? Nobody in the Big 12 did it last year. That's a lot. Well, I mean, I can't – there weren't great players up and down. Are I don't know. Great players up and down the Texas defense sketch? I mean, what are we talking here? Well, that's fair. That's 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 <laughs> a completely fair point. We have gone off the rails here, but yeah. <laughs> I need to look up the national numbers. Maybe I'm just two a game doesn't sound like out of control, but maybe it is. Maybe I've just seen too many turnovers over the last decade plus of Texas offenses turning the ball over that uh that my mind's scrambled. It seems like there have been a lot of games where Texas has had a handful at a minimum. Uh, all right. Austin, I think you got your money's worth on that, just for the record. <laughs> By the way, Chris thinks 25 sounds more reasonable, and yet <laughs> it, it might be unreasonable. I don't know. Um, let's see. We're done with the Super Chats for now. Anwar, back to the conversation we were having before we went to the Super Chats, just with regards to uh, seven days away. It was interesting yeah. to hear Alex and Jason talk. It sounded a lot like our conversation yesterday. Yeah, it did. So I kind of want to pivot a little bit, if I could. And yeah. and, 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 you know, so I, 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 I want to – another, I think, interesting aspect for me um, – and Mr. Sorrell might be interested in this as well. Um, I, I, catch, I, you know, this is for from a, you know, I, while I think the, I mean, come on, amateur hour. Uh, I think that uh, what happens with Bo Davis and his guys and his unit, that you know, in in training camp and getting those guys ready for the season. I think it's kind of an interesting one for me, Catch, if I just want to pivot and kind of go a little bit differently, you know, off the beaten path. You know, when I look at the the list here, you know, of, of guys who they have committed, you know, right now, Catch, you know, I'm seeing, you know, two two three-star guys, you know, that, that are there, Melvin Hills and, and Alex January, uh, DeAndre Robinson, Ala, you know, Orlando recently. But, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm sure there's, there's room, there's, there's definitely room for improvement from a recruiting standpoint um, for, for Bo Davis, as far as like stepping that thing up. And, you know, if we go like positions and if we go coaching positions on this staff, like, is he, he, is he one of the only guys who hasn't recruited a five-star yet? Like he, or if he's not, he's one of the few that haven't had to, haven't done it yet. Charlie Williams doesn't count. I don't, I believe at this point, you know, he's only been there for a few months, but he'd probably be one of the few that haven't done it. Um, and so, 
you know, it, it, I, I want to see what he does with this line and this transition and Tavondre and uh, getting in and Byron Murphy, Sorrell. Like, I think it's a big year for him because I think recruiting is going good, but not like premier level. And I feel like this also ends up being kind of a big year, uh, I think, for him. It's interesting. I had lunch last week with somebody who, you know, has some insight into what takes place inside the football program. And it was the first time I seen a little bit of frustration in Bo Davis needs to do better in recruiting as a thing. You know, I hadn't had anybody previously say, Hey, this has to get better. If I'm not mistaken, that was actually on a day that he picked up a one of the bigger commitments, you know? So ironically, they picked up a kid that day, uh, but it wasn't, uh, there's still this feeling that, yes, they've got to recruit elite nationally on war, and it quite hasn't happened there. The thing is, if you're a badass coach on the field, you know, it doesn't feel like it matters as much. But, Jason, we're, we're waiting for Bo Davis to recruit a five-star or two or somebody in that, in that kind of tier. Uh, but, like, his guys have got to get better, too. Like, they were okay – Last year, Keandre Coburn was fine. I feel like everybody was fine, but nobody was really above that. You'd like in year three with all of the guys that he's working with or players that he's had for two, three seasons now at a minimum. I mean, this is an older group of players. I'd certainly like to see that group be among the best groups on the team. Uh, yeah, I, I beat this drum a lot. And first of all, let me – Tell Paul that wasn't my phone, and I don't even have my home phone up here with me, Paul. So uh, check that. Um, and secondly, I beat that drum for a while. Catch like Bo is great. He takes large numbers in, in classes. It was a couple of years ago he took a big class, but he's he's got to find a way to somehow land some of these truly elite players. You said, hey, if you're a badass coach on the field, and Bo's a great coach on the field, I think. But um, you know, he's got NFL experience, and that carries some weight. Um, I kind of disagree with that statement, though. I mean, listen, man, especially along the defensive line, your badasses are going to be your badasses. It's very rare that you're going to – I shouldn't say very rare, but it's rare that you're going to take a three-star guy and he's going to, you know, turn into Aaron Donald, okay? I mean, that, yeah, Aaron Donald was a three-star guy, I think. But, um, I mean, it's usually what Georgia and Alabama and those guys do. They take the five-star guys and those guys turn out – I mean, the hit rate's pretty uh, impressive, it seems. So – you know, Bo's taking large numbers of guys. He's got Dontre Robinson, Melvin Hills. I mean, if I'm being brutally honest, I, I like Dontre Robinson. You and I talked about him in the commitment video. He wasn't a take for Georgia. I mean, I know Georgia was in his group of finalists, Alabama. I don't think he was a take for Alabama. It really came down to Texas and Florida. Alex January is a, a really good prospect in the state of Texas. And Alex January did have some pretty impressive offers uh, with the likes of LSU uh, Oklahoma and those guys coming at him. Uh, Melvin Hills, a recent defensive end commitment, really came down to Texas and Ole Miss. I mean, Melvin really liked Georgia, but Georgia had sights on bigger fish. So it came down to Texas and Ole Miss. Um, again, I'm, I'm not saying these guys, you know, Melvin Hills won't turn out to be a really good player, but you'd sure prefer to be kind of plucking from that five-star pool. And we haven't seen Bo Davis do that. Um you know, Bo's, it's interesting because he's a good recruiter. You talk to parents and you talk to players, they really like him, but he just hasn't been able to close on those truly cream of the crop recruits. I thought going to the SEC, 
I thought defensive line recruiting would probably get the biggest boost out of any position, but we haven't seen it yet. I mean, we're still in the first cycle. We'll see what happens moving forward. But to your point in Onwar's, yeah, I think this is kind of a big year for Bo, and, and he needs to start kind of reeling in and producing ultimately those you know high-end talents, the kind that you know can be the foundation of your defense, the type that go in the first round, second round. We haven't really seen that from Bo just yet, and you know it's, it's been a few years in now, so it's time for that trend to change if Texas is going to be competitive in the SEC with, with uh, the competition they're going to be facing in that new conference couple of things on that, Jason, just to further hit your points home. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded The Athletic did a story last year where they broke down the recruiting rankings of all the positions on the Pro Bowl rosters, I think it was. And it was, you know, every position had a different kind of recruiting vibe going on, but the defensive line, they were like all five stars. <laughs> It was yeah, like, just, I mean, those guys usually hit at a pretty high rate, it seems like, right? It was like every elite defensive tackle, maybe outside of Aaron Donald, they were like all – I just remember looking at it. It was like, man, those guys hit at crazy rates, even to the NFL, right, where first-round draft picks bust all the time. In the NFL, typically, typically at that position, uh, they tend to be great high school and college prospects as well. The other Let me thing jump in real quick, catch. I've seen I yeah. see Paul and somebody else asking about Dominic McKinley that any chance Texas has. Yeah, Texas has a chance. You know, there is a buzz coming out of his official visit. This is a defensive lineman out of Louisiana that maybe LSU wasn't a factor there. And Texas, I mean, people are saying it surged into the lead. I don't have that feel necessarily. I do feel like Texas is squarely in it. I talked to someone fairly close to Dominic and they talked to him pretty regularly. And even they said like, you know what? He doesn't even tell, he doesn't tell anybody. He's not telling this person I talked to you what he's truly thinking. So um, I think Texas is in it there. Texas is offered his younger brother. They do want to play together. That's kind of a, a factor to keep in mind, but you know, A&M's involved there, LSU. Uh, there's some pretty heavy hitters there. So to answer the question, Texas has a chance. Am I going to stick my neck out and say, Dominic McKinley is going to wind up at Texas. I'm not to that point just yet. You, you actually kind of segued into the point I was going to make. I was having this conversation last week, and one of the things that I think maybe we both kind of agreed on is that maybe the issue with Bo is that he's like an 8 out of 10 recruiter, and he's trying to land guys that you need to be 10 out of 10 for, and maybe there's just a little something that if he were at Michigan, nobody would notice, but maybe at Texas – it sticks out a little bit more, especially when you, know, you look at a Michigan roster and they don't it's, – it's kind of my way of acknowledging, yes, we did see the Jim Harbaugh suspension story. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> like Right before we went on, I was like, what would it sound like if we were doing a show today where Sark was going to miss the first four games of the season? It's like, that's, Jason, not a meltdown on the message boards. <laughs> That I ever want to, I don't ever want to deal with that story where your head football coach is just going to miss a third of the season because he lied to NCAA investigators allegedly. Nice job, Jim. Uh, but yeah, I think it might be a little small margins determine so much at every level of of college football, especially at elite level recruiting, and it might just be very fine margins that have kept him from being able to get to, to close with a, with the kind of guys that 
quite frankly, what kind of puts Texas fans on tilt is they know that A&M has like yeah. 500 of these guys and Texas hasn't been able to get one. And he casts a wide net. I mean, nobody on this Texas staff throws out more scholarships. Everybody. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you know, he, he casts a wide net and he gets interest from a lot of guys, a lot of out-of-state guys. I mean, it's not that they're not interested in Texas. It's not that they don't like Bo. We just haven't seen him close the deal. He gets to that, you know, he gets to that courtship stage and, you know, they're playing footsie, but he just can't close the deal. Um, that's going to have to change. I mean, for again, I mean, when they take that, you can get by with pretty good in the Big 12. Pretty good in the trenches is not going to work in the SEC. We've Texas recruit, we've seen Texas recruit really highly uh, along the offensive line. That defensive line recruiting is going to have to improve once they get, and not just I'm saying, you, I mean, you know, we talk about Baron Sorrell. I mean, Baron's a fantastic player, but you got to have several of those guys. You got to have depth and rotation. Texas just doesn't have that along the defensive line right now. And I mean, that's something that's going to have to change. Anwar, it's kind of one of the things that slightly gives me pause for this team this year where Jason's right, where you'd like to have four Baron Sorrells, guys that are going to play in the NFL, guys that can make plays. You know, one of the things that still gives me a slight pause about this team is that they still only have like one guy in a, like an entire position group of players that you really feel good about. And there's still a little bit of that team building up that is still taking place. Not everywhere, right? We wouldn't say that about wide receiver, but when we talk about pass rush and defensive line and defensive ends and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was going to ask you and Alex, if you could have one or the other, an elite recruiter or a 10 out of 10 coach on the field, developmental position kind of a guy, what would you rather have? What's more valuable? I'll let Alex go first. I mean, it's chicken egg, right? No, it's Isn't not. It? No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jason Boy thinks it's the recruiter. Of course. Nick Saban's not Nick Saban without having elite talent, dude. You, I mean, Kirby Smart isn't winning without recruiting at a crazy high level. I mean, you got to be, you get, you got to be, you got to be able to build a team, though, and you got to be able to build a culture. And you have to, I mean, but I'm talking about a defensive line coach. What is most important? A guy that can make it rain as a recruiter. No, I mean, Joe, I mean, look, man, Joe, Joe Wickline's an awesome old salty old offensive line coach. He's a shitty recruiter. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would, I would take the recruiter. I would take the recruiter for sure. You know what I mean? Like, but I think I feel different about offensive line than I do defensive line. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah maybe. Yeah, I could see that. And Wickline was good at Oklahoma State. I don't, where is he now? I don't even know. Is he West Virginia? West Virginia. Last yeah, I mean, he, he was good. I, listen, a lot of I think offensive line at, at Oklahoma State is at large part in, because of Gundy and his offense, whatever is conducive. They always have good offensive lines. It seems like no matter who's coaching there, um, and the offensive line is different than D line. I, I just hey, I PFF has West Virginia with three first team All Big Twelve players. Get out of here with that. Is that true though on the offensive line catch? Yes. Wow. Okay. I I think that um, or I know like if, if we're talking about a running backs coach, you know that that guy's got to be a good recruiter. I think you know what I mean. I think that there are certain ones. Maybe defensive lines kind of like that, right? It feels like it feels like it's kind of like that. But 
I did talk to somebody this week. I don't want to like it's hard for me to get these war room nuggets. I mean, I got a couple of them. I don't want to give like I talked to somebody this week that really talked a lot about you know the development angle with him. So cool. Alex is gonna have some good war room nuggets. I'll have a few. Yeah. If I told you though that this defense had Malcolm Brown on it, like doesn't that change everything? Just one five star war daddy, first round level pick that oh, yeah. Texas hasn't had in a decade. Yeah, or even a Hassan Ridgeway, you know, even that kind of player, a day two, you know, guy we could consider for day two. Now, some of these guys might be considered for day two. Um, but yeah, I don't see either of these guys as being a Malcolm Brown, Hassan Ridgeway type of type of con contributor on the, on the defensive line. Class of 2012, Malcolm Brown. That's how long ago that was. Damn, Damn man. Damn. That was first <laughs> season here. His first season was Malcolm Brown's junior Damn. year, Charlie's first year. It's been that long since mm -hmm. they've had. Anwar, you brought all this up. It's yeah. been since 2012. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just. It, it, it is a uh, – that's why I just went back to, like, that's why I said I went it a little bit differently. Like, when I start thinking about what's important, you know, like, they're, they're, to, what, to, to what Jason's saying is 100% true. Like, this program is going into the SEC next year, and they understand the importance of recruiting that elite talent on the defensive line. Like, that – you know, Alabama's not going to come in, you know, or, or Texas is not going to go to Alabama, and, and Alabama is just going to say to themselves, like, man, we don't know what to do. We just lost some guys. Like, you know, Alabama is just a matter of, like, which guy is going to step in and step up and fill those shoes. But we don't have a question of who – is is it going to happen? Just a matter of who, what the name is going to be plug and play. Here, you're just kind of like – you're going in, and you're like, boy, I don't know. Sure – we'll see you know and the fact that we don't know and there's it isn't someone like just waiting in the wings that you just like that guy we know for sure is going to do something like there's you know there on that defensive line right now there's there's three unknowns and some may no no maybe three and a half unknowns if, if you're not totally sold on on a Sorrell that'll probably get dad all fired up but you know at least three for sure and yeah, and, and then when you look at, okay, do, do you have the Calvary coming in catch? You look at from a recruiting standpoint, you look at guys you got to develop, but you don't look at it and say, oh, man, you got the Calvary coming in. And not, not the way you look at it at the wide receiver position where you just say, okay, they've got dudes in there. Just a matter of time before those guys take up, to, to step up. Not the same way we look at, you know, Alex was talking about earlier about the offensive line. And, like, we're not having those camp conversations about, Who's the, who's the Cam Williams of the defensive line that's going to have a chance to get in? How do you get the Cam Williams or the DJ Campbells of the world? And then, like, we're not having that conversation. We're having a kind of shoulder shrug conversation. Like, we'll see what happens. And that's why I think, you know, it's it's been a while. So, like you said, it's 2012. So, you know, you know it's, it's not a problem that Bo Davis has uh, created, but it's a problem that he's here to fix. Breaking hey. news here on the YouTube channel. The Arch Manning one-of-one one autograph card on the Panini website is now at $30,100. <laughs> Damn. Well, um, if you're to answer a couple questions in the chat, someone mentioned Cedric Reed and Alfred Collins. Cedric Reed was ranked 159th nationally. Alfred Collins 147th nationally. So 
Texas fans are, as tends to happen, maybe inflating some of these guys. Uh, you know, we're talking about true war daddies. I mean, Malcolm, you have to go back to Malcolm Brown, and he was in a different tier than some of these other guys. I mean, you know, there's a difference between a guy that's between 100 and 200 and a guy that's top 25 or whatever it is, 34 in the nation. Um, you know, uh, yes, Texas has landed a lot of those rivals 250 types, but we're talking about truly elite guys, and Texas hasn't had any of them uh, since Malcolm Brown. And it's hard, and to your point, like Jason, like, and, and you know, I think, of, you know, J catch a know where I'll allude a little bit to the Gruden stuff, but, you know, elite elite at 310 and 320 pounds is a lot harder to find than some guys who are like a receiver at you know 185 190 stuff like yeah those guys who are, are diamond dozens like you know you don't see a, a ton of you know this guy was a defensive tackle and he walked onto the program and became a first round pick like you know you don't see a ton of those stories and then someone else, you know there, there's 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 every once in a while You'll see him in every other position, though. Like you, you'll see everybody. Uh, he he walked on, became a starter at some point. You don't see that on a defensive line as much. That's because, mm. to your point, Jason, it's harder to find those elite guys at the, especially at that weight. And they are what they are. They're big, freakish, athletic guys. Though. Yeah. Mean, you, you can only coach them with their hands so much. Um, someone asked a couple times who was well. It's actually Barry, D line coach with Herman. Uh, it was Oscar Giles, who ironically was the coach whenever they signed Malcolm Brown back in 2012, too. So, yeah, really good. I thought that was Bo. Was that not? Was that yeah, Oscar Giles? Giles was listed as his primary recruiter on on his okay. profile. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe he. Yeah, Bo was around for like Ashawn Robinson, who ended up losing to Alabama, and then he goes to Alabama and ends up coaching Ashawn. Yeah, again, and a guy that he wasn't able to close on, it ended up working out for him because he goes to Alabama and coaches them anyways but as a uh on the recruiting side of things jason i have i just got to ask you this question it's completely kind of unrelated to defensive tackle i don't think i had been paying complete attention to how unwell texas is doing in the state of texas in 2024 you know mm -hmm. like I just don't think it had sunk in until, you know, I, I wonder if you remember that part when editing my column this weekend where it was like 16 total players, 10 are committed inside the state of Texas, none to Texas. And then when you look at the six that are uncommitted, it's like, okay, well, it's Colin Simmons and there's Kobe Black. And then there's nobody really left beyond that that you look at amongst the difference makers in the state where you go, you know, Micah Hudson would be one. So I guess, you know, depending on what you think is going to happen there. But it is surprising to me that Sarkeesian and this staff are doing so well out of the, you know, out of state. And that 2025 looks like they're going to do really well in state. I think maybe I thought this about 2024, 12 months ago. I don't know. It's surprising to me, though, that we may get to the end of the recruiting cycle and if Texas gets Simmons and Black, that that would leave them with two of the top 16-ish prospects in the state this year. It's just surprising to me that they're not quite – and you, it doesn't sound like you and I the whole way have been able to quite put our finger on why this year's class is so sporadic. I mean, the guys are just spread out going everywhere. 
But I'm, that Texas isn't doing better is a surprise. That's a question that was asked in my Q&A, which I'll be posting on Orange Bloods later today or actually probably this evening. But um, I don't have an answer for it. And I don't know if it's NIL-related catch, if this is just a new – is this, is this an anomaly? Or I don't think it is, though. I don't think so either. Is this the way things are going to be moving forward? Maybe it's NIL. You know, guys are able to travel a lot more, travel a lot easier. They're they're only seven on seven teams that take tours all over the country. The world's a much smaller place now, as they say. I mean, getting to Florida and California and all these places is not that big a deal for these guys anymore. I mean, if I'm I don't have your LSR pulled up, catch, but if I'm looking at the rivals rankings, Aaron Hampton is the highest rated commitment for Texas in the state at number twenty five. That's downright shameful. I'm sorry. I mean, Texas is recruiting pretty well. They're 21st nationally with an opportunity to climb a lot higher. Uh, you mentioned guys like Colin Simmons, if they land some of these uh, high-end players. But, I mean, this has been in-state. I mean, it's been a bit of a failure for, for Texas. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I'll go down the list. Colin Simmons, Micah Hudson, uncommitted. Justin Williams just committed to Georgia. Texas tried there, didn't get in on him. Texas tied, tried with Bryant Wesco. He commits to Clemson. Kobe Black, number five, uncommitted. Uh, Texas didn't go after Phil Sam, who committed to Florida. Terry Bussey, uncommitted, probably leaning AM. Taylor Tatum, number nine, uh, Texas tried for. He commits to Oklahoma. I mean, it's not like Texas just passed on a lot of these guys. I mean, Texas offered and tried on a lot of them. They're just not having success. I don't know if that's uh, you know, in due in large part to some pretty mediocre, uh, mediocre play on the field. Uh, I don't know if it's NIL related guys are kind of spreading their wings a little bit more as we lost catch here. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I've, I had that exact question in my Q and a, and I'm, I, I wish I could put my finger on what's happening there, but I don't know why Texas is struggling so much in state, but they better damn well close on a couple of these guys like Kobe black or Colin Simmons or, not only is it not good for Texas, I mean, it is a colossal failure. It is an F minus minus if they strike out on those two guys. So, what happens if they do get those two guys? Then what becomes the what becomes the grade then? Well, anytime you get the number one player in the state, right, that that gives you a pretty big bump, but it's still not good on where I mean, you're still only mm -hmm. getting two of the top twenty potentially. Um, you know, I'm, as I look down the list, I mean. You know, Nigel Smith is still out there. He's still going to visit Texas. Could they flip a guy like Corey and Gibson, who's number 18? But, you know, if they get those two on, or let's say they get Colin Simmons and Kobe Black, well, that's two of the top five. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that carries a lot of weight. But you're still only talking three of the top 25. I mean, to me, that's still probably, you know, pretty – I mean, you guys know I'm a pretty harsh grader by, by and large. So, um to me, that's still probably a C plus, maybe. I mean, maybe you could talk me into a B minus, but it's still not great if you get Kobe Black, Colin Simmons, uh, and those are, you know, your only two. Or I guess uh, you'd have Aaron Hampton, but those you'd have three from the top twenty-five, two from the top twenty. To me, that's still not great. If you don't get them, that's an F minus, man. That is a complete failure if you don't get those two. Ben says so doom and gloom. Ben, it's not doom and gloom. It's just kind of what's happening. I mean, yeah. but it's not you know. as bright and sunny as sunny as a lot of people try to make it. I mean, a lot of fans on our website try to shout down anytime someone says, "Hey, I'm concerned about recruiting." Oh, it's Sark. They've got a plan. They do well. Well, they do, but 
it's not where you want to be right now. It's okay to point out, hey, this is not where things should be. Um, I'm not saying it's doom and gloom, but it's it's not all rainbow and sunshine either. Yeah, and again, I don't. It's hard because I don't know that this is a trend, right? I mean, you look at 2025, and I feel like there's four or five kids in my top ten. You know, DeCorian Moore is a perfect example, right? I mean. That kid, if I had to pick today where he's going to go, I'd pick Texas. Um, you know, Michael Riles is a guy that Texas is doing really well with. I mean, there are guys that are in 2025, if you substitute into 2024, it doesn't look like it's a long-term plot problem, but there's no getting around the fact that we're in the middle of the 2024 recruiting season. This is This is when commitments are happening. 80% of the players in the top 100 in the state of Texas have announced their commitments. Uh, that's just 80 out of a hundred easy math. Um, it's not quite as much at the top. The good news is I think nine of the top 13 guys in my top 13 haven't committed. So you're still waiting on a lot of big time guys, but Texas isn't at the forefront of all of the guys that are still out there. They could flip some guys. Like I'm just, you know, it's not doom and gloom, but it is, it does need to be better. That's what, what's weird. Jason's last year. I think they only signed four of the top 19, but it was the right guys. And then they did so well with super blue chips out of state that it just didn't look bad. No, I don't. I just don't think many people noticed, but it wasn't great a year ago, even though the class was historically good and it's slightly worse this year. So maybe maybe it is a slight trend. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, last year you also had Jonte and Anthony Hill, two five-star guys. Um, Malik Muhammad was a borderline five-star. But, you know, we to circle back to Bo Davis, I mean, DJ Hicks winds up at Texas A&M. That's a guy Texas needs to land, okay? Those are the types of guys we're talking about. Um, yeah, you're right, Catch. As I look down, I mean, Colton Vosick was number 11, so they they signed, what, one, two, four of the top 11. That's a hell of a lot better than what they're projecting to do this year. Niblet, 13. So even last year, say, hey, it wasn't – they didn't set the world on fire. Jelani McDonald, 18. They signed whatever it is, five or six of the top 20 last year. This year, we're looking at two if things go well. I mean, again, they could flip a guy, like you said, um, Corey and Gibson maybe change, has a change of heart down the road, but – Right now, if things go well, Texas is looking at two of the top 20. That's a far cry from last year when they did what five or six. I lost count, but uh, certainly more than two. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I've got a mosquito guy who's spraying right outside my window. Couldn't tell if that could be Which is the trifecta? That was your phone, dogs barking, mosquito guy. Oh, like, I have hit everybody's bingo card exactly. is officially Someone's... filled out. Uh, hey, we're, we're creeping up on the hour mark. We've got some things that we still want to knock out of the way. Why don't we jump into parting shots uh, oh, yeah. and start to wrap up a little bit here. Alex, you want to lead us off? Yeah, sure. Well, no, I just want to get to the I, I just want to get to the big one. I want to get to the, <laughs> He's like, I, I, <laughs> skip my parting shot. Yeah, I want to get straight to, the to Jason. One. Okay, Anwar, real quick parting. Oh, go ahead, Anwar. Uh, go, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead, Jason. Well, I was going to say my parting shot. I didn't know if y'all were going to have them, but uh, dead period did lift today. Texas has a bunch of guys from modern day coming in 
uh, today, then they're going to go to Oklahoma tomorrow. But guys like Jordan Davis and the stud running back we've reported on, uh, Marcus Harris, right? A couple wide receivers, excuse me, for modern day rivals, 100 types. Then Thursday, Texas has their pool party. Several commitments will be in town, uh, and a handful of uncommitted or, excuse me, underclassmen guys will be in town for their barbecue slash pool party. So uh, stay tuned on Orange Buds. We'll have coverage uh, of all that throughout the week. Anwar, back to you. Okay, uh, real quick, uh, catch what I was talking about uh, just a little bit earlier. I just want to say uh, props to my little man, my 10-year-old son, Max, who participated in a uh, PSG soccer camp last week, all week in San Antonio. Did so well that he got an invite to a train in Paris. And so he'll be doing that at some point in November. He's a keeper, and he'll go in November and, and sometime uh, next year. So uh, props to you, my son, Maximus. Really proud of you. Yeah, you should be on where that's awesome. Who gets to be the lucky one that gets to escort him to Paris? No, it's in November. Yeah, you- so guess, guess who'll be covering? I think it's Iowa state that week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll be, I'll be in beautiful Des Moines. Oh, man. My son and everybody else hey, is in uh, I'm from Iowa. I'm, I to- of all time. <laughs> I'm, 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 I was born in Iowa. I'll go back and visit some family and cover that game for you. You go to Paris, man. Come on, dude. Uh, well, the, 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 the tough part about that, I was, I was telling Catch about it earlier, uh, the tough part about that is that at, and also my, my son's mom is going to be going. So that will be me and my ex doing Paris together <laughs> for a week because the parents aren't allowed to go to any stuff except for the final day. Oh, wow. So I'm like, yeah. I'll pass on that yeah. one. So Take Pierce we'll, uh, for another maybe, day, right? Yeah, maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe next year. So, but very, uh, very proud of him. And by the way, it's Paris, France, and not Paris, Texas. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes. Anyway, just props, props to my man. Want to acknowledge him? I just am still stunned at the the ascent that that young Max has made. Isn't he in new such to a soccer? short amount of time? Right, yeah, he's pretty new to soccer. Isn't he? Uh, he started. He started in March. Yeah, that's crazy. During a spring break camp. Yeah, and then and then he, he he's like that. He's like he the Victor Wanyama of American young goalkeepers. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. The, the basketball the basketball background actually really does help, and it really does translate a lot. It does like, I, it's a for his position, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it does. Handback coordination, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but keep those super chats coming because I gotta get that kid <laughs> to Paris. <laughs> so I'll told my Alex and say, "Man, uh, you know, if anybody, by the way, wants to sponsor my kid, no, I'm just joking. Uh, no, actually, I'm not. But if you want to, it's fine. But all right, we're uh, gonna that's go. It. That's all I want to say. The, the people in the chat. By the way, I saw Paul asked a question earlier about our. Oh, he wants us to post our live schedule. Paul, it's going to change soon. Uh, but the way we've typically been doing it is Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, or excuse me, Monday, Tuesday, and Fridays, we go at 11.30 live. And then uh, Onwar has obviously Drunk Unk on Wednesday nights. But stay tuned. We'll have some announcements coming in the future. Uh, all of that will soon change. But in the meantime, 11.30 Central is usually the time you want to have circled. That's that. All right. The big moment that you guys, there we go. There we go. Indeed. Uh, We've been saving. We've been talking about doing this for months. Today is the day. 
We're going to have our fantasy football draft order determined by Jason Sukumel. He's drawing names out of a hat. And he's not even in the league, which means he's no. – he's he's. But Alex, Look, Anwar, and myself are – They're all folded up. So I'm not, I can't see the names. I'm not even going to look as I draw. This is, I'm not. You, we're going, we're going 12 down, correct? Oh, this first pick. First pick. Wait, wait, first wait. no, no, no. We're going first. You're going one through. One I feel like 12. this is lethal weapon. Are we going on three? Is it one, two, three, go? Or is it, wait, wait, is one? it one? Is, is he picking? Yeah, no, no. Pick? He's asking, are we starting at one, then going I'll tell 12? you what, typically we start at one, but in this, in this case, we'll go reverse order down. It'll give us some drama. Like a like the NBA lottery. Right. Like the NBA lottery, yes. Yeah. So with we, the 12th pick. Yeah, are we ready to start drawing? Yes, I'm writing them down. Uh, too broke, you're right. Jason can be bought. If Alex, Anwar, catch, if you guys want to PM me on the side real quick, Venmo me some cash, I can. I can Alex has done out. every draft from every position, simulated yeah. 14,000 times in each spot. He doesn't even care. Oh, okay. Ready for the twelfth pick? Yes. Catch. <laughs> there it is. You're off the board. Hey, catch. I mean, you actually, you actually. I mean, are we, are we allowed to trade picks? Well, yeah, but remember no. that one time it almost created some real problems. Eleventh uh, pick is Byron. You guys want me to show these to you? Do you care? No, yeah. I, I trust you. I can't. No, my eyes aren't that good anyway. All right. Uh, what do we? Tenth pick, uh, Michael. I don't even know Michael. Uh, ninth pick, Brian. Eighth pick, Eric H. Is that Breadman? Is he still no, there? not okay. No, that's no, that's 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 Bond Lounge Horn. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, seventh pick, Anwar. All right. Sixth pick. Dorian. Well, that puts Alex in the top five. Fifth pick, our producer Blake. Guess I'm not pick. getting uh, B. John Robinson at 12. <laughs> Fourth pick, our man Dustin McComas. Damn, Alex is top three. Third pick, Alex Dunlap. Okay, it's beautiful. <laughs> Second pick, Jonathan. Which leaves the first pick to Bill Biddick. Come on, Bill. Oh, who come picks, on. Who, hey, who picks fourth again? Who picks fourth again? Uh, Dustin. Uh, Dustin. Dustin. I can't say I love picking next to D Dustin. Yeah. All right, Bill, you owe me a lunch or something. <laughs> I know Bill wow. watches these videos. Bill is so Bill, Really Bill's probably watching this right now. As I said, yeah. He'll, t he'll be text messaging me in five minutes talking trash. <laughs> <laughs> if if not, if I let me two minutes probably. Can we do a redo? Can we just <laughs> pretend that didn't happen? And yeah, we shouldn't have done this live. Again? We should not have done it live. Yeah. Thank you for doing that, Jason. We appreciate it, brother. We finally got it's, it done. Or it's, be, it's, like a month I will. Before. I will send out the text messages. Make sure everybody knows the order. Um, I would have had the, the first pick if I just it, shut up. Yeah, the irony. Yeah, exactly. The irony is, yeah, you could have had the first pick if you went one through twelve. I yeah. think I, I I think Paul Maloney's got it about right over there in the chat. Looks like I'm gonna have another year of Jamar Chase. Look, it looks like it. I, I could take Eckler at three. It's fine. I could take Eckler. 
Uh, no one cares. No one cares. About shut up. Me. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> That's my party care shot. It could be Eckler. It could be Eckler. Okay. Now, now you're ready to do your parting shot. <laughs> yeah. wow. uh, all right, guys. Hey, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks to guys over at Mojo Insurance. Let them find you a cheaper insurance deal. It's just that simple. If you go to the website, they've got a special Orange Bloods member, Orange Bloods viewer page. Fill that bad boy out. Let them help you save money. Other than like the 60 seconds it takes to fill out a form, it's no skin off your back. Let them... Let them help you save some money. It's that simple. Uh, for myself, for Alex, for Jason, who I won't ask to do this again last year. He's now officially the 12th pick jinx. Uh, I haven't picked on the turn in a long time, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I feel like the last time I did it, it probably didn't go real well for me. Uh, for Anwar, who's already started his mock draft preparations now that he has his position. What are you, seventh? Number seven. So... You know, not bad, not bad. It's uh, that's prime Bijan territory on war. You're gonna have to make it. Bijan is not league. making it to seven. Bijan, this is this is a Texas league, so yeah. Bijan won't make it to me at seven. It'll you would have to seven. need him to get by Blake at five. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Not, not, I think you, Blake, you know, I think, I, I Blake can jump in and tell us that he wouldn't take Bijan at five, but I guarantee you he'd think about it. But Alex, you know how regional leagues are. Like, oh, if you, yeah. I play leagues and guys in Tampa, a, a league like it, all the Tampa guys go like would go like that. You're like, who the hell wants it? But they, you know, they just love their guys. Oh, take him at number one. That's how I used to get Kyler every year in this league. <laughs> it, did, it didn't turn out too well last year. It can't be off the table for Bill to take Bijan at number one. Oh, I would like that. He might. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying it can't be off the table. Let We're a long ways away from the draft. Let Bill hear great things at training camp. <laughs> I, like, like, I, I haven't even looked at fantasy stuff. Who's the consensus number one this year? Is he, one? In, 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 in PPR, it's, just, it's, it's going down yeah. the middle between whether it's Justin Jefferson or Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's usually Jamar Chase. Then it's either Cooper Cup or Tyreek Hill. Then after that, you get to Bijan. Where's my Garrett Wilson? At the two hundred two pick trending. Oh, great! Oh, it's just incredible. He's 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 going at the one two turn. Sometimes two hundred two hundred two to two hundred four in PPR. Really? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll take that for a ten round. <laughs> yeah, I, I would take. How did I let that happen? Catch? I, I mean, I have no idea. I loved Garrett Wilson coming in. You How guys did, like, know, I have to know that I you am took a, him in the tenth. I could have I taken did. him in the ninth, and I didn't. And Holy I couldn't shit, take yes. him in the ninth because my keeper last year was in the ninth, if I'm not mistaken. Crazy. So, I picked maybe him that's in our league. league. Maybe that's why I didn't have a ninth round pick and why why because I I was like, how did I let that happen? My plan the whole time was to get Garrett Wilson as a keeper. I don't even know how that happened. Who I've got him in a keeper in our Alex? league. Alex, what? who are your keepers? I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and look. And I gotta go back and look and see like which ones I drafted and which ones I didn't. Instead, there's a whole lot of investigation to do here on Mark. <laughs> Yahoo doesn't do it automatically. I'm not sure. No, I think you got to go look and see that the guy kept him on. I screwed up last year, so I'll have to go back and 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 I'll have to double check everything. Uh, on behalf of the fantasy league, which is now all we've turned this 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 show into. Uh, you guys have a great rest of the day. We'll figure this stuff out on Slack. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. Drunk Unk, right? Right, Unk? Yeah, tomorrow night. 
We're back. There you go. Tomorrow night, Drunk Unk. If there's breaking news, we'll always be there to provide it. Until next time, you guys take care. We've got some fantasy football stuff to do. Later.